0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon,
1: fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday. June fourth, twenty twenty edition of Invest Talk. And June is well underway, and we're basically into summer. And unfortunately, we are seeing twenty twenty spiral into an even worse year. Right? Uh, it's been quite the quite the year, and we're not even halfway through. And there's a lot of civil unrest, and, you know, the market typically doesn't like that. So far, it has ignored the issues, uh, at least the potential impact from the civil unrest. And, you know, I addressed, I addressed this a little bit on on Monday, but I want to kind of give you an analogy, which I hopefully will give you some perspective uh, of maybe why we're here, okay, Um, and we always talk about CNBC, right, why you don't watch CNBC, well, there's three main reasons you don't watch CNBC, well, there's one main reason to say that, and the main reason is because CNBC doesn't care if you make money, they don't care, they are a cable news, finance news station, and they only care if you watch Right, so that's why you always hear them talking about the apples of the world, the Teslas of the world, the the interesting companies in the marketplace. Rarely are they talking about, you know, tried and true industrial names or utilities, right? Which all have their merits for investment. But those aren't exciting, they're not interesting. Right? So whether it's a good investment or not They're going to speak And cover stories And companies that People are interested in And people will Pay attention to And watch Why? Because they need to sell advertising Well You could apply that to All cable news Right? If that's true for CNBC, which I know it is, that would apply to every cable news station out there. And if you think about the history of cable news, from CNN to Fox News to MSNBC to all of the cable news channels out there, they rose in relevancy pretty much in the 90s, right? CNN, I believe, started in the late 80s, but really rose to relevancy in the Iraq War. And I think Fox News would launch in 96. Uh, so they became a part of the national scene in the 90s. And I don't think it's a coincidence that our national politics have become more and more divisive ever since they rose to prominence. Why? Because once again, does inflammatory language and making the other side the enemy, is that more interesting than discourse and balanced dialogue and coming to meet in the middle? Which one is more interesting for the average person to watch it's divisiveness right it's getting people riled up about a particular topic and the best way to do that is to plant the blame on quote-unquote the other side and so they have every incentive to do that right they have every incentive to get people riled up. Why? Because they'll watch more. If it's a balanced dialogue on topics and people are coming together in a kumbaya fashion, that's not that interesting. So less people will be watching, which means ratings will go down, which means less advertising dollars, which means less pay for the producers and the executives of the show, of the the station and the channel, right? Which means the owners are not going to be happy, which means, guess what? They're going to replace them with somebody who will get ratings up, and that somebody is probably going to make the programming more inflammatory. Okay? So that's the way that I connect this social unrest, our divisive politics, in this country to the markets, to investing. Because I'm sure all of you out there have watched CNBC from one time or another. And that's probably why you are here. It's probably why you are in search of alternative viewpoints. Alternative information because you see The incentives that are driven by Advertising dollars That make people like Jim Cramer the face of CNBC Why is is Jim Cramer still have a show? Because he smacks bells and whistles and he's loud and he's bombastic, right? and that's interesting and he gets good ratings not that he's a great investor if he was he'd probably be running a, his own private hedge fund he wouldn't be on cnbc now does he make a good call from time to time yes everybody does but he's on cnbc because he's loud and obnoxious just like espn Right. Look at Stephen A. Smith. He, I think, he got signed a contract for what ten million dollars a year or something crazy. Why? Because he's loud. He's interesting. People watch, and if people watch, that means you can sell ads, more of them, at a higher price. And everybody behind the scenes wins. So when you're looking, you know, if 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 you are Watching any cable news station, you need to have that thought in the back of your mind that this is here to entertain, it is here to get ratings, it is here to sell ads. That is why these stations exist, and that is why our politics in this country are so divided. That's my thoughts anyway. I'm Justin Klein and this is Invest Talk. In my company KPP Financial, we're based in Irvine, California. We operate on a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So, that's why we are here today and each and every weekday is to help give you some unbiased guidance. And we do that with a practice called parallel investing, meaning we only invest in strategies that we invest in for our clients as well. So well, now that I've set things up for today, I'm ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART, 888 4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. And now I'm ready. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99
1: Chart. Let's go to Saeed in Oakland looking at Campbell's Soup.
3: Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm looking at Campbell. Uh, I'm really puzzled. I have questions question. So, you explain to me, uh, the price of the stock, I, I bought option of 54. The stock was like 53 uh, before the earnings. And the earnings comes out really good and uh, beat mm-hmm. the estimate. Also, mm-hmm. um, they have expected the sales to increase in 2020. 2020. So, of oh, the uh, soup prices went up. Uh, after all this good news, the stock went down
0: to forty-eight dollars. So I
1: don't understand why. Mm-hmm. Well, it went down because those expectations were priced in, and the market didn't it didn't meet those expectations. It you know this is goes back to what. Uh, the biggest misnomer most people have when it comes to earnings is that, oh, well, if they beat earnings, they, the stock has to go up. Well, oftentimes that's already priced in, buy the rumors, sell the news type of event. Uh, and, and also it's not about what the last quarter is as much as it's about what the future quarters are, right? What is projections for the third and four, second, third, and fourth quarter of the year? The market cares not that much about the previous quarter, so remember the headlines are often misleading. Okay, so just just a heads up on, on that. Now you have a call option at uh, 50 strike. Is that true? See. i can't hear you yeah i have a
3: call option Uh, i think he said
1: that gotcha okay what is when does it expire
3: it's already expired so i lost the money
1: oh it's already expired okay well you know yeah gotcha okay well you know that like i said uh, you know, playing earnings is a is a difficult game uh, because, like I said, there's oftentimes buy the rumor, sell the news type of event. Uh, I, I I like Campbell's in this environment. Uh, they have a little more debt than I would like, but I like their non cyclical uh, nature. Not my favorite name in the consumer staple space, um, but you know, it's it's decent. Let's go to Will in San Diego, looking at AIG.
3: Oh, good good afternoon, Justin. I'm considering picking up a few shares of this, and I was wondering what you thought of the uh, fundamentals. Hello?
1: Why do you like AIG, or why are you thinking about buying AIG? I
3: ended on Morningstar just uh, yesterday, and uh, they gave it a five-star rating, if that means anything.
1: Well, I, I think, I, I like a, I like the insurance. Parts of the insurance space, I do think they've been beaten down a little bit more uh, than they should have. Uh, we actually picked up uh, one what, two weeks ago, I believe it was, that was was beaten down that we like better uh, than than AIG. They they've certainly certainly made some reforms since the financial crisis, so uh, I, I like that. So you know, I would say I'm going to give it a thumbs up. It's not my favorite name in the insurance space, but. It, and it's into a lot of resistance here, right, around the uh, 35 level, 36 level. So I would certainly wait for a, a pullback on this. I think the market is, is poised for that as well. Um, but there is a lot of resistance here uh, in the mid to high 30 range. So, you know, at this point, you're chasing it a little bit. Um, but, and, but I would wait for a pullback on, on AIG. But I like it uh, on a pullback. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk streaming live Monday through Friday in the 4 o'clock Pacific time hour. It's also available free as a condensed podcast as well. You can browse by topic at investtalk.com. You can also download, rate, and review our podcast at Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your finance and investment questions live at 888 99 Chart.
2: Listening to Invest Talk. June is underway, summer is coming soon, and the market has been interesting. So you'll have important finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, this is George. I'm coming from Washington,
1: uh, and uh, I have a question about Ticket KL. The company seems to have Decent numbers, and I think the gold's gonna get back attractive as the stock is gonna contract. I just want to kind of get your opinion on it. Thank you. I'm looking at Kirkland Lake Gold. This is a company that we own for clients as well, and they're one of the strongest. Growers in the gold mining space. Their revenues are up 82 percent year over year last quarter. Earnings up 30 percent. Yields about 1.3 percent. 10 billion dollar market cap. It's gone up a lot over the past few years because they 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 hit it big uh, on one of their mines and has launched them into being one of the largest gold miners uh, in the world. So uh, definitely a a strong player, a uh, strong name that we uh, we really like. So. Um, we're a fan of Kirkland Lake Gold. Uh, It's pulled back here a little bit and uh, just with the the whole gold mining space and uh, we like it. So uh, definitely a fan. So Jacob, let's go to Jacob in New York and he wants to know about some stock trading tools.
3: Yeah, so um, in terms of technical trading, uh, I've used the MACD before um, and using the crossover strategy. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, um, what do you think about Mm -hmm. uh, time time ranges and time horizons so for example if I'm doing a, a swing trade should I be looking at crossovers on a 10 day um, or if I'm doing a long term trade should I be looking at a 100 day and looking for crossovers over that period of time how do you match up the, uh, the range of time with the crossover when you're trading
1: I like the if you're just swing trading uh, I'm looking at the 60 minutes and the daily those are the two that, uh, that, that I'm focusing on uh, because you know you're 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 staying relatively short term. It's not day trading. If you're day trading, I'm looking at the, probably the 10 minute chart. Uh, but once again, it's not just about the MACD either. Uh, I, I would not use that uh, on it on its on its own. Any trading that you're going to do, you need to be lining up multiple factors, and MACD can certainly be be one of you probably want to use FIB retraces. You want to use moving average, uh, trend lines, right? So all, all of those can be factors to where uh, you find entries uh, and exit points. Um, but once again, only use them as singular factors. And you want to line up at least two, likely three different factors to give you the best chance at success of any type of swing trade. Hope that helps, Jacob. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888 4278 Now let's touch a little bit on where we are uh, in the market and the fact that some unloved sectors are starting to perk up a little bit here and value is starting to outperform growth, which is net-net actually a negative for the market. Why? Because this is a market that's very heavily weighted in growth names, right? You look at the, uh, the S&P and you're going to get a high percentage of the S&P in your your growthier names in the market, right? I can pull that up here and look at the weighting. Uh, but Amazon is going to be third highest. Microsoft is number one. Apple, second. Facebook is fourth and Google is, well, if you combine both their share classes, they're actually fourth and Facebook will be fifth. So you can see how heavily weighted the indexes are towards these growthier names. And so if growth starts to roll over, the whole market's going to roll over, but doesn't mean that every part of the market has to roll over too. A lot of people get that mixed up. Sure, the rising tide lifts all boats. When things go down, you're going to have a natural pull downward on most stocks in in the marketplace, but you can have certain areas of the marketplace outperform as well. And you're starting to see that, the beaten down sectors outperforming uh, the growth side of the market. And there's going to be a subset that are going to chase that, or are already starting to chase that. Think of the airlines and the cruise ship operators. And the big question is, should you? And my answer is going to be, well, it depends on the sector. And it depends on the debt load of the company. Depends on the cyclicality of their business. You know, industrials tend to be cyclical. Does that mean that every industrial name is as cyclical as the next? Absolutely not. There are large ones that are very diversified and large swaths of their business are very consistent. And so you can't treat them all the same either. Now with unemployment rate expected to hit 19% last month, you certainly have to discount that or use that in your calculation of where to be allocated. Now, a lot of money is flowing into financials, which I think is not a bad thing if you're focusing on a particular part of the financial sector. Insurance, right? I think that's one part. Certain parts of the insurance market. And then there's others that are getting outflows, consumer staples, utilities, which is interesting. And I think that has a lot to do with interest rates rising. So just because they're non-cyclical does not mean that they have to continue to rise, even if growth side of the market falls. Okay, so still be focused on good balance sheets and non-cyclical businesses. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your question live at 888-99-CHART. Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at hackerone.com. That's H A C K E R O N E.com.
2: HackerOne.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. On the calendar, summer will be here soon. But now you've got finance and investment questions. And Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888 99,
1: Chart. Let's go to James in New York looking at VMGRX. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. What uh, You're looking at a mid cap growth e, uh, mutual fund, Vanguard Mutual Fund is is this yeah. in your 401k or are you just uh, looking to pick up uh, exposure to this space um, I
3: did a, I completed a, a rollover I rolled over some funds out of my 401k into a rollover IRA um, I plan on mm-hmm. investing the majority of it in mm-hmm. individual stocks but I did want to work in some funds that I might have the attitude to like maybe mm-hmm. set it and forget it just really hold it for for the long haul and I wanted to see if maybe this one might mm-hmm. you know meet that. Uh, That might qualify for a good choice there. Um, But yes, I'm looking for some mid-cap exposure a little bit more.
1: Yeah, well, this is an average fund. You know, it's not bad. Morningstar is a three stars. Its uh, expense ratio is 0.36%, which isn't super low, but it's not super high either. Um, you know, it's okay. It's very risky in this market, right? The growth side of the market is starting to underperform, and this is where where that would be, but you sound relatively young, and long-term, growth te- does tend to outperform. Now, after growth has outperformed for so long, I think it's going to be more difficult over the next uh, 15 years or so, um, but if you're looking to take the risk, this is an okay fund. Nothing... This definitely isn't uh, the best in the sector. Uh, I'd be looking for something else in the mid-cap space, to be honest with you, uh, just because it's just basically uh, average. So, uh, it doesn't get me too excited. Well,
3: would Thanks you recommend, the call, say, um, go, Vanguard and, or roll Price in, oh. in general, like if I were to choose from, from those uh, funds, are they like lower expense managed funds?
1: Well... Well, let me let me explain to you how fund families work. Back when we used to use mutual funds, we used to use mutual funds for clients, uh, right? When commissions were expensive, smaller accounts had definitely, definitely made more sense to buy no load, no transaction fee mutual funds uh, to avoid those commissions and you get broad exposure, et cetera. And so definitely had a depth of knowledge in the mutual fund space. Now, every fund family is good at certain things certain aspects of the market and it could be the bond side of the market it could be growth side of the equity markets it could be value it could be international funds but most fund families have funds in all these different asset classes and none of them are good at all of them none of them are none of them have great funds across the board. Now they might have some great funds here and some okay funds here and some other pretty good funds over there. So don't pigeon yourself whole and say, oh, well, T. Rowe price is the way where I want to go. Well, you want to find if uh, uh, the, the fund. If you're looking for a mutual fund, you want to look for the f- the fund itself, right? It doesn't matter who the, the fund family is. It's what is there, the track record of performance in this particular subset space of the particular market? Thanks for the call, James. Let's go to Noel in Napa, looking at F-O-U-R, which is Four Corners.
3: Oh, I thought it was shift for payments.
1: I oh, you I might be right. Uh, I apologize.
3: Coming out tomorrow. No, no, I got it wrong. I got, it wrong. I got it wrong. You're correct. And, uh... I, I know you and uh, Steve are not too hot on uh, IPOs, and I understand that, but I was just kind of curious what space they're in. Is a nineteen to twenty one dollar price a little too much and is that space overcrowded already?
1: Well, first off, I don't have enough information on this because it's an IPO. I haven't looked at it. it's uh, you know I, I don't need, there's no trading history on this. Uh, and I don't really have any data. So I can't tell you whether $19 or $20 is too much because I have no clue what their revenue is, what that market cap equates to, what their debt is, earnings are. I have no clue. Um, now. But what I will say is, are you getting the opportunity to invest in this IPO? Yes, from TD Ameritrade. Okay. Do you have some special relationship over there? Are they just kind of calling you up?
3: Well, they just sent me an email uh, indicating that uh, this uh, IPO is coming out uh, tomorrow. And uh, there haven't been too many IPOs lately, and uh, so I was just kind of curious about it. I thought uh, since you deal with TD Ameritrade, you might have uh, heard something about it. But... uh,
1: yeah, I'll well, let me just tell them. you this: uh, yeah. if if the if an average investor is getting opportunities to buy into an IPO, what that means is that there are a lot of very large institutions that are passing on this. Now, that may be for the wrong reasons, but more often than not, they are passing on it for because they did the research and they don't feel it's worth that. Uh, mm. They don't, and so they're not investing in it, right? If you're a, an that investment bank, and you're trying to place an IPO, right? If you're trying to place an IPO, mm-hmm. are you going to call up every Tom, Dick, and Harry to, to place a few hundred shares here and there? No. You're going to call your hedge funds and your private equity funds and your, uh, and your, and your pension funds, and you're going to place millions and millions of dollars at one time. And these are large institutions that are doing a lot of research on this company and trying to figure out whether that valuation is worth it or not. And so if it gets down to your retail client, that means they were unable to place it with their institutional clients. Now, that doesn't mean it can't work. I'm just skeptical of these names that get to the point where they're being offered to retail clients. Does that make sense, Noel?
3: Yep, it's an indicator that it may not be worth much. <laughs> I hear you. Okay, thanks, exactly.
1: Justin. Thanks for the call. No problem. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. We have about fifteen minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Let's touch on what was I going to touch on here? Oh, okay. This is a wonderful article. It's from Wall Street Journal. Uh, what last week? And it talks about ETNs, exchange-traded notes. And it highlights uh, a few few people, uh, one, a man in his 60s, 67 years old, and then another that is, let's see, how old was he? I think in his 70s, 78, yep, there we go. And they bought ETNs, exchange-traded notes, that were paying out large dividends, in the teens. Does this is a strike uh, a chord with any of you when I talk about this chasing yield? And many of these, I'll highlight just one, it was a, an ETF that bet on mortgage REITs. But not only did it bet on mortgage REITs and own mortgage REITs, but it levered up its exposure to the mortgage REIT space. And the one example that they talk about is one that was put out by UBS. And Mr. Zhu is what they call him. I don't know if that's his real name or not. 78 years old. Invested in this at about $13 per share. 13 and change, I think it was. And at the start of, at the, start of the year, it was around $14 a share. And on March 17th, UBS redeemed it and is giving gave investors back $0.20 cents per share. Mr. Zhu lost his life savings of $700,000, which he bought at $13.35 a share. Now, remember, this is somebody chasing yield. And unfortunately, he didn't diversify. So that's another lesson you can have here but i think the main lesson is to not only not just focus on the underlying yield you have to focus on the underlying risk and a lot of these etns are levered to the hilt meaning if times are good they're fine and that's how they're paying out such large yields is partly because of that leverage But when things go poorly, you can be wiped out. And so it amplifies the gains and losses both ways. And on ETNs, remember these are exchange traded notes. You actually don't own the underlying. These are actually debt securities. So if the sponsor bank wants to liquidate it; they can liquidate it. If the sponsor bank goes under, which you know, I don't expect that, unless maybe you're for Deutsche Bank. And even if the investment is going fine, the underlying collateral, the underlying uh, counterparty, is the bank, and they may not pay you back. And so, these packaged. Financially engineered products that investors have been buying for the past decade to chase yield, a lot of them have far more risk than you realize. And this goes for structured products as well. You've probably been pitched this or pitched these type of offerings from different banks. right? You're tracking some sort of an index and you have this minimal downside protection and You know, it's kind of complicated. But they sell it on this downside protection. And the details are hidden in the fine print. And so there's a lot of these different products out there that don't have good disclosures. In fact, many of the banks have already settled with regulators. Wells Fargo, shockingly, is one of those. And it's an area that you definitely need to go in with your eyes wide open. So the lesson here, stay diversified and don't chase yield unless you're willing to take the risk and you understand the risk. And here, many people are not understanding the risk. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. And obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. So, I encourage you to subscribe to our KPP Premium newsletter. It's written and distributed every single Friday. You get valuable information such as this week's market analysis, portfolio management guidance, and stock ideas as well. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions
2: live at 888 99 chart. This is Invest Talk made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go to Shannon in Florida looking at J.M. Smuckers. Yes, i um, looking to buy,
3: you know, I'm looking to get some, sort of value stocks added to the portfolio and this seems like it seems like it's at a pretty good price obviously it's got coffee uh peanut butter and jelly and all kinds of products it seems like it could suit the market moving forward three percent dividends and it's around 109 uh just want to see what you thought what would be a good price to get in and if there's any red
1: flags well th- it was down pretty decent today was that on earnings i'm assuming yeah, it looks like it. Actually, Revenue's up ten sure. percent, earnings up twenty four percent, but clearly looking forward, uh, the market wasn't uh, a big fan of that. Yields three point two percent, pay ratio sixty three percent, cash dividend pay ratio is forty one percent. So there, it they looks pretty safe. Decent amount of debt, but for not too bad considering uh, the type of business they have, which tends to be uh, pretty non cyclical. Enterprise value is about thirteen and a half, not. Uh, super cheap, but not crazy expensive either. Uh, I like it. I like it. I think this uh, recent uh, drop may be a good buying opportunity here. Uh, I, I don't see this skyrocketing to the upside, but its chart pattern looks relatively good. The 200-day is starting to flatten out, and most of the shorter-term moving averages are above that 200-day as well, which which I like. So I'm a fan of S.J. Smucker's here. Uh, and this little pullback, I think, is a decent buying opportunity.
3: Thanks.
1: Thanks for the thanks for the call, Shannon. 99 chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. We have seven minutes left in the show, so get your call in sooner rather than later. Let's go. Let's talk a little bit about the insurance market. I know we had a caller earlier uh, that discussed AIG, and this is an area that many of the names are beaten down, right? Worries about insurance claims. And there certainly will be some on the commercial side of their businesses. But the big question is, what about the personal lines of, bu- of business, auto lines of business as well, which you know, auto is probably an area that's going to see a reduction in claims. Now, the biggest headwind here for the insurance names are interest rates and asset prices. If interest rates start to rise, it's actually a good thing for these names, right? Because they tend to invest in fixed income securities. They take the premiums in and they invest it. And so if they're able to invest those premiums at a higher, safe uh, these names. So uh, this is an area to look at. Uh, we've bought, a, like I said, a couple of these insurance names uh, over the past couple of months for clients, and it's definitely an area of interest. And if I have time after the break, I discuss this more. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after our final break here at 888
2: chart On the next Invest Talk, a new report from the Atlanta Fed says our GDP is expected to drop sharply in the second quarter, as much as 53%. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here. He'll have unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart.
1: Let's go to Monica in San Francisco. She's looking at new or not Newmont. Yeah, Newmont. Newmont mining.
0: Hi, Justin. Uh, just and I'm just wondering if you think this is a pullback and the opportunity or goal my you know, gold prices going down or something like that. Or this is not a good
1: yeah, I, we do think this is a pullback. We own Newmont for uh, clients have some have for some time, and you know uh, the whole space was very overbought in uh, early May, and, and definitely due for a uh, pullback. And you've you've seen that over the past uh, two, three weeks or so. We are into some support levels here around 55 on Newmont big big support down around 51 uh, that's the area that is even stronger 51 to two uh, dollars so you know I think we're close to the very good risk versus reward areas on on newmont and, and frankly most of the gold miners uh, that I see out there uh, have pulled back to uh, good support levels so it just depends on which ones you want to have exposure to Newmont would be one of the lower risk gold miners out there, one of the largest uh, in, in the world. Um, but then again, no gold miner is uh, is, is low risk. It's definitely, uh, these are definitely volatile names that can move 10, 15, 20% in short order and reverse it in short order. And you can just see that with uh, GDX. GDX hit a low of what sixteen dollars during the the panic and hit a high of thirty seven, uh, just a two and a half months later, now around thirty three. So uh, understand the risk here, uh, but I do think uh, the support levels are are have been hit for many of the gold miners, including Newmont.
3: Thanks.
1: Thanks for the call. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's close a little bit with those insurers that I talked about earlier. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely going to be higher claims because of the pandemic. Now with the rioting, there's certainly going to be claims as well. But the risk versus reward is likely to tilt in favor to a lot of these names. They, They will counter with higher premiums, which... Often people pay, A, because they have to, think car insurance, B, because they see what's happening around them and they want insurance even more nowadays than they will uh, in the past. And so the uncertainty around this the, the industry, I think, is giving an opportunity. Now, there are certain areas these companies are going to be exposed to more than, than others. Event cancellation, for example. Uh, but typically, these large events are syndicated, meaning the risk is spread across the industry. Re- they have reinsurance. There's reinsurance on reinsurance. Uh, the insurance industry is full of contracts and paperwork and, and just uh, sharing the risk across the industry. That's how the industry works in general. Also, business Interruption insurance. This is controversial because some contracts don't talk anything about pandemics. Others exclusively boilerplate exclude pandemics. So different companies are going to, are going to be exposed uh, differently than others. Workers' compensation. Think about companies facing claims for contracting COVID nineteen. Think of all the all the meat plant uh, packing plants that are suddenly coming down with dozens of cases of COVID-19. Or the healthcare industry as well. Then there's liability insurance. This is companies facing claims when it comes to employment practices, right? Firing people, laying off people. The way they're treated during this pandemic. The way they're... Efforts are putting forth to contain work sites from uh, COVID-19. So, this is an area that certainly has risk, but in a lot of cases, in some cases, not a lot of cases, some cases, the baby's been thrown out with the bathwater. And so, if you're looking for deep value names, do some research in the space, and you're going to find some opportunity. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Monday. Steve will be here tomorrow with highlights from the newest KPP Premium newsletter. And please remember to download our April Bonus Show podcast. We call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. It is free. So please tell your friends about Invest Talk. Good night.